Yeah, maybe a few less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's get into it. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Wide Awake Podcast. My name is Joshua Rubin, and I'm your host. Today, my guest is Russ Cook. He is an endurance athlete that has completed some pretty insane challenges. Some of those challenges are being buried alive for seven days. He also holds the record for the fastest marathon ever while pulling a car. That's normal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also the first person to ever uh, to run from Asia to London, which equates to 71 marathons in 66 days. That's quite an impressive list of accomplishments. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah, been hard at work for the yeah. last few years. So welcome yeah. to the studio. I mean, Cheers, you. Man. Thanks for having me on. So, how long have you been in Cape Town for? You said about a month. Yeah, been here for about a month now. Yeah, getting that last bit of training in for the for the big adventure. And what is the big adventure? Just well, briefly, we'll get into it later. Yeah. But. Well, uh, mission statement is first person to run the full length of Africa, most southern point of Africa to most northern point of Africa, 360 marathons, 240 days. About 16,000 kilometers. So yeah, that's three hundred and sixty marathons. Yeah, in two hundred and forty days. Yeah, that is yeah. Tasty. I mean, that is wild. <laughs> I mean, before we get into any of that, I just want yeah. to kind of get to know you a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. you're from the UK, right? Yeah, big up. Where in the UK are you from? So I'm from uh, a town on the south coast called Worthing, which most people will never have heard of, but they might have heard of Brighton, which is right next to it. Yeah, I've so, heard of Brighton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, Brighton uh, chasing down top four in the Premier League right now. So that's where people <laughs> are. Right yeah. And uh, what were you like as a kid? I'm assuming you're probably a bit of a wild one, eh? Uh, do you know what? I was, I was, I'd say I was a quite a normal kid, really. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe a little bit mischievous in, in some teenage years, but not, uh, nothing too crazy, especially to compare some of the guests that you've got on that. Um, you know, my my um my adventurous years didn't come until a little bit later on in life, really. Okay, and um, I mean, were you, were you a good athlete when you were younger? Uh, mate, nothing special. Um, I was decent. You know, c captain of the, the high school footy team, and <laughs> and um, you know, did a bit of cross country, but I wasn't setting you know setting the world alight by any means. But yeah, mate, it wasn't really until until I was about. Mm, not about 19 or 20 where I started properly running really. okay yeah yeah and um I I was reading up about you yeah and one of the things I saw is that you started doing these challenges to get yourself out of a bad place yeah in life I mean what were you going through at the time that you needed to do something like this to get you out of yeah that place well um you know like I don't, I don't I'm always a little bit cautious of of selling too much of a sob story here because it's not like I was, you know, there's there's a lot of people in, that had way worse upbringings than, than yeah. I did. Um, I actually, uh, all things considered, you know, my parents did a great job. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was 17, I was having a, I, I, I'd had a few diff challenging years leading up to it. And um, I ended up um, quite isolated as at 17. I was living living in a, in a flat by myself, uh, still in full time at school. And I was working like five different jobs, like cleaning toilets and all the rest of it to try and keep my head above water. And, um, you know, it was quite overwhelming at the time, really. But it led it led me down some some paths that weren't ideal. Um, so, you know, got heavily into gambling, which um, I haven't talked about too much uh, publicly. But yeah, mate, lost fucking basically every penny I own 
continuously uh, gambling mm-hmm. uh, over the stretch of uh, a couple of years there and, you know, relied on things. Basically, my, my existence was so miserable that I just relied on external things to, for happiness, which, as, you know, most of us know, is is never never a good situation. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that that kind of rut stuck with me for, for about three years. Um, I was, you know, overweight, miserable, angry at the world. And, um, you know, I kind of hit rock bottom. Um, unusually, I was in a nightclub in Brighton and uh, it was about 3am and I just kind of had, looked around and had this mad realisation like, you know, what am I doing with my life right now? Like something needs to change. And I decided for whatever reason that I was going to run home. Like I was on, on the spot there and then I was running home. It was about 12 miles. It took me hours, had to have a, couple power naps on the pavement on the way but I made it home and then my mate texts me uh in the following few days going like I want you to come and run uh this half marathon race with me like we'll do some training all the rest of it and on a whim I just kind of decided like fuck it I ain't really got much else going for me at this point so I'll do your half marathon mate um and it was that kind of process of overcoming you know, a half marathon and then we went and did the full marathon a few weeks later, overcoming something that I didn't really conceive that I would actually be able to do. Like at the start, I was like, mm, that's wild. Um, but, you know, by step by step, uh, putting the, these things in place and applying myself and, and then getting the result at the end where it's like, well, I did something that I never actually, like I didn't think I was going to be able to do this, but I did it. Um, and, you know, that process taught me a lot about discipline being motivated you know self-responsibility accountability and and I just tried to start applying that to other areas of my life obviously it's a so slow process but through that I um you know saved up some money for the first time in a, in, in in like well, my whole life really and then uh you know decided to quit all the jobs that I hated doing that were sucking away at my soul and and went you know, we're going traveling, going traveling all the way around the world. And and that was kind of the start of the whole, you know, madness. Because a few months after that, I decided I was going to run home from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's, I wonder what it is about sports that can get you out of such a bad place or just mm. being active, you know, um, because it's something that I've started doing recently. Yeah. I've never been an athlete. I've never really worked out much. And um, I'm doing well in life, but there's something I just feel like it's just missing out of my life. Yeah. Another day I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to go sign up for the gym. Yeah, yeah, And um, obviously that can't fix all your problems, but it's definitely a step to being healthier. And uh, when you feel good, like your physical feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mentally, it just makes sense that you'll feel better as well. Of course, man. I I kind of think, you know, like... um, you know, I'm hesitant, hesitant to say that running or exercise is the solution to everyone's problems because it's, it's not, it's more complicated than that. But what, um, you know, running or fitness and exercise can be is the spark for a positive spiral. And if you're in like a little bit of a rut, then sometimes it just takes, you know, just a little bit of to change. Something to get out of your comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, exactly. Did you look up to anyone before you started this journey? Did there, was there any athletes that you looked at and be like, "I want to be like them"? Uh, what before I started the first one? Yeah, um, there. I guess you know that there'd been stories that I'd heard and listened to and thought that like 
that was a that was an inspiring story um you know like the obvious ones is, is like david goggins uh, yeah i was, like I was all, uh, talking to my dad about him earlier yeah 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 um but you know i actually look at even people like david blaine i don't i was telling him really, about it earlier yeah. as well yeah uh, and i and i think that's you know I like, what I like about David Blaine is he takes a concept that seems impossible, makes it possible. Like, however he does it, we don't know, obviously. But like, um, like I just I really appreciate that 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 uh, profile of person. You know, mm. just up out here doing impossible things. Did you see the the? He did a challenge. I think it was seven days underwater. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually I don't know if I've, I've seen that. He, so he did buried alive. That's where I got the information. Yeah, information for doing. He was alive. in a he was in this tank. Yeah, filled with water, and I think he just had a tube in his mouth. Yeah, um, and he, I think it was roughly seven days that he yeah. stayed underwater for, completely submerged, just breathing through a tube. Yeah, that's and um, then at the end of it, he tried to break the record for the longest breath hold, and almost died doing it. Wow. I mean, you, if you watch the video, you see his body like convulsing, and yeah. his organs start like pushing out of the yeah, sides yeah, of him. Yeah. Like it looks pretty gnarly that's that's some real like admirable self-control that you know yeah really impressive stuff yeah that's the next level and um i mean there's also people like wim hof it's so funny yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. wim hof yeah 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 he's he's done the the one of the longest uh, ice baths in the world he was in an ice bath for an hour and 44 minutes yeah, right that's wild and I said to my friend, because I want to break it, do a challenge, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, especially after hearing your story, I was like, you know, I really want to go and do something, but I don't want to, you know, an ice bath is like, you just have to sit in the bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to move. Yeah. So I was like, I really want to try that out. So today I was going to get two ice baths and we're going to do the interview <laughs> in ice baths. <laughs> but right. thought it might not be a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I want, I want to talk about some of your challenges, right? Yeah, let's do it. So Buried Alive. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. How did that come to be? Uh, well, you know, like I said, I saw David Blaine. It was like the first big thing David Blaine had done. And um, obviously I admire the guy and I thought I would love to see what that experience is like, you know. Um, and uh, I think, you know, s something I found there that it was a lot of people, when you first talk to them about being buried alive, they're like, what on earth would you do? Like, why on earth would you do that? Mm -hmm. um, and they're thinking, you're going to go insane you're going to lose, like, they're like, um, the claustrophobia is going to bug you out, like, all the rest of it. But um, it actually turned out to be a, a really eye-opening, beautiful experience, mm -hmm. to be honest. Like, there was a lot of positives that came out of that situation. That's what I actually wanted to ask you about yeah. as well, because obviously the physical aspect of it's probably quite challenging, being yeah. confined, um, not having the luxuries that you're used to. Yeah. Um, but mentally, I feel like one of the... Th when I was thinking about that challenge, I was thinking about me going to bed at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how when I go to bed and I switch off the TV and everything and there's no distractions, you just hear all the voices in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was going through your head during that time? Because you must have been contemplating a lot. Yeah, mate. I mean, I'm a, I am a thinker. So I honestly did not have many problems thinking for a week straight, um, which might sound bizarre to some people, but I just thought about a lot of different things. Um, I think... You know, uh, what was so beautiful about it is that because I was famished, mate, like I hadn't eaten for seven days, it was very humbling uh, because you you uh, you were forced to recognise that you're kind of equal, equally powerful and totally not at the same time. Like 
Um, and that kind of put me in a position where I felt kind of stripped back from like, you know, this like sense of self-importance that we carry around. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible for it, you know, ego, all the rest of it, you know, and um, it kind of gave me a sense of stripped back from that. And humbled I, you a bit. Yeah, hum, humbled me enough to to think about what was actually important in my life and what what did, what did I want to do with my life? What did I want my legacy to be? Did I want to have a legacy? All of these big questions, why would I want to, what are my motivations? You know, like trying to take a deep dive into all of these big questions. You know, why am I here? You know, they're huge mm. questions to answer. I, and I, I spent a week there and I still didn't answer barely any of them because it's just such a, such m massive complex questions. But, um, you know, one 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 of the major takeaways I had from that whole experience is that like I don't want to just be doing challenges for the sake of the the like the the, the circus of it you yeah know? Um, and I and I and I, I want to attach a, a a deeper meaning to all of these things which is why I started um, heavily working with uh, the charity that I work with called the Running Charity and all these things and and um, you know it just gave me a bit more of a a, a, like a north star to the point of this all you know yeah. like what are we what are we trying to do here russ mm. you know often when i do things like i set up some sort of goal or some sort of challenge for myself yeah i also go what is the point of it yeah you know um and at the beginning you kind of think this is going to be awesome you get halfway through you, you you met with some challenges and obstacles and you're just like why am I doing this? Yeah. Does yeah. anyone give a shit? Yeah. But um, like you say, if you have a goal, like for you, it's to raise money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and bring recognition to charities. You know, it makes it a lot more worth it yeah. than just doing it for the sake of doing it. Hundred um, percent. But what was the setup for that? I mean, so you had the idea. Yeah. Were you buried underground? Well, so it's a little bit of a. There's a bit of a little backstory to this. So the first time I tried to do it, it failed after about thirty hours. Basically, we did it in. <laughs> this woman off Instagram's back garden dug a hole in her garden, massive hole, put a box in there, um, you know, good to go, buried under under the ground, under the mud, and then it just started raining, torrential rain for like the entire time. And because um, we were in clay, it started getting very heavy and it started uh, encroaching into the in, into the box, so the box was like collapsing in on itself. And I was like, oh, this ain't ideal, but fuck it, we'll just wait it out. But then what happened is the box started filling up with water. And because we had loads of electrical stuff in there and that, it was just like this. And we were about 30 hours in. I was like, I've still got 138 hours to go. It's just not, this is just not going to work. Um, take the L, like lack of preparation, my bad. We'll, we'll try and figure this out again. But the problem is I spent basically every penny I had trying to do that. Mm. Um, so I couldn't really do anything about it for a few more months and then I was sat there with my flatmate at the time and we were like discussing how we're going to get buried alive on the go again and we were like look mate let's just take the take the variables out of it I don't want to fail this challenge because of weather conditions I, if I fail it I want to fail it because my mind couldn't hack it or you mm. know one of these other reasons so we cleared out one of the rooms in the flat went down Wicks which is like a garden centre shop in the UK bought about a grand's worth of mud, filled up the whole room with mud, but put a coffin in the bottom and then just just in a coffin with a bunch of tubes coming up in a, in a, in the room. Yeah. So it was inside in the end. Um, 
which you know some people might be like, oh, he wasn't really buried alive, but you know, that's buried alive. Yeah, the game's the game, mate. We I did it the best I could with the tools and resources I had at the time. You know? Yeah, and um, was it in an actual coffin? Yes. Did that get you like thinking about death? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, not too much, to be fair. I was kind of, I kind of just detached myself from the fact that it was a coffin. I mm. think um, the main problem was it was quite like uncomfortable yeah. to lie in. Really, it's a bit touch tight. And was that a challenge just for the challenge, or were you was that attached to an organisation, or were you raising money for that as well? No, so I, I, that was just a challenge for the challenge. You know, that was just my inquisitive mind mm. wanted to see what it was like to be buried alive for a week. Um, so yeah, that was just that. And did you have people around you at all times or? No. No. I had a live stream. So if, if, if I died mid live stream, maybe someone would have seen me. Let's go help him. <laughs> and then, I mean, you did another challenge, which was the fastest marathon ever whilst pulling a car. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? Well, I just finished the run home from Asia to London and, um, I was like, that was great, but I want to try and do something a little bit different, you know? Like, I don't want to do purely running. So I was like, what could I do that I think, what what is out there that I think I could be? And I saw a guy called Ross Edgley, who's, I don't know if you've heard of him. Also a British guy, yeah. He, British. Swam, he swam around yeah. the UK. He's done loads of mad shit. He's, yeah. yeah. He's a tough guy. And he pulled a car for a marathon. And um, it, I, lo I looked at him doing it and I was like, the geese are so wham. Right, he's massive. He's just like jacked. Yeah, he's huge. And I was like, that just can't be efficient for pulling a car in my thought process. Everyone thinks pulling a car, you've got to be really strong. But when you're pulling a car for a marathon, it's not really about, it's not so much about strength. It's more about the endurance of, of you know, of your body. And if you've got big muscles and you weigh a lot, then you're having to provide all of those muscles with energy for an extensive period of time. So I was like, I'm a bit skinnier, a little bit leaner. I reckon I can, I reckon I could beat that if I did a bit of strength work. So that's what I did basically. How big was the car? And how long is a marathon, by the way? So it's like 42 k's. 42.2 k. Yeah. Okay. It's like um, 19 miles. 26 miles. 26 miles. 26.2 yeah. miles. Yeah. Uh, the car was a Suzuki. I can't remember what it was. A 1997 Suzuki. Uh, my mate. My mate bought it for like 25 quid or something. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I can't remember how much he weighed. I think 750, 800 kilos. Uh, so, mate, I mean, it was a car, but it was, it was a small car. It was a small car. What did Ross Edgley do it with the similar kind of car? Or? He did it with a Mini Cooper. Yeah. Um, I believe, yeah. But that's, I mean, how do you train for that? Did you actually do training with the car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did, I trained with a heavier car and deflated the tires to make it harder. Um, I did a lot of um, lot of strength work in the gym, lots of leg days coming at me thick and fast. Lot, but then you know, I carried on with running mileage as well. So that, there was a lot going on there, to be fair, training wise. And can you walk me through the day of the actual marathon? Yeah, yeah. You know, the marathon where you pulled the car behind, yeah, yeah. <laughs> attached to you. I mean. From the time you woke up yeah. to the time you went to bed, like what was that whole process like? What did it look so, like? So we started early doors, mate. I think it, I woke up maybe 1 a.m. 
and we were going to start at two. So we went down to Worthing Promenade, which is the seafront. It's totally, it's a totally flat stretch of about one kilometre, which is ideal in the sense that going uphill makes it so much harder to pull a car. But the only bad side is that you had to turn back and forth a lot, which is kind of the, the hardest part is getting the thing going. Mm. Um, so we had to turn back on ourselves about 42 times. But yeah, anyway, I woke up at about one, went down to the promenade with a few of the boys, uh, 2 a.m. and just thought, right, let's go out hard and fast. I was anticipating it would take me about 18 hours. So like, let's go out hard and fast and see how long I can hold the pace for, basically. And I was probably about three hours in before I realized I was like, I'm smashing this. Um, I was like, probably, you know, 20, I think I was about 20K in within about four hours. And I was like, feeling good. And I was like, it's, mate, it was just one of them perfect days you, you, they don't come around too often but like everything aligns perfectly whereas like you know the body like the body just feels 10 10 uh the mindset's on point you know fierce ferocious <laughs> no, like nothing can stop me uh weather was perfect it was just mate it's just a great day that's so cool yeah right? yeah and I mean, what's the usual time? So like for someone average, say someone with very little training, how long would it take them to do like a proper marathon? So I think the average time for a UK marathon finisher is, I think it's four hours, 24. Um, so that's that's the average. For If you're doing like, you know, your first marathon and you didn't train for it, then <laughs> you, you could be looking, depending on what your background is, you could probably be looking at you know, five and a half to eight hours. But you basically did it in just over double the time. So yeah, I did with it. a full on car. <laughs> yeah. How I just don't understand how that's possible. Like Yeah, mate, I mean, it's one of them when you've got the momentum going, it's 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 actually just not as hard as it sounds. But that's what I probably should be saying that. Because like, people, yeah, people, well people are gonna go break it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should go pull out a mini coupe and yeah, start right. running around the block. Yeah, mate. Um, um, it, it's, it is a momentum thing, you know. Like it's hard to get the car going, and it's hard if you're if you've got any kind of gradient. Um, but once you've got the momentum, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still hard. But like, it's you can you can you can you know keep it rolling. It's doable though. Yeah. 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 Um, and what was, I mean, I assume that challenge was probably quite easy to set up. That was probably one of the easier ones yeah. to set up, right? You yeah. just had to get a car and pull it. Yeah, the only problem I had was finding a location and, and like the, the council, the Worthing council were, were being long about giving me permission to do it here and there. And But, but we sorted it out in the end. So yeah, that wasn't actually that hard. And um, logistics wise. I'm assuming the hardest thing you've ever done so far is probably the running from Asia to London. Yeah which was 71 marathons, so 42Ks Yeah, yeah, yeah. in 66 days. 42Ks every day for 66 days. Uh, yeah, it was actually an average of like 46 in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was tough, man. I think, you know, what made that tough was, I mean, obviously the mileage and the running was a part of it, but I think the fact that I was alone and I was camping every night with a hammock and I, everything I had was in a bag, literally that bag there that I've got with me is what is the bag I had. So no one was traveling with you? No. So you had to carry your stuff carry while, everything while had, running? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much did everything weigh, do you think? Mate, I went, I went super lightweight. I had about, including two liters of water, which weighs two kilos already, I probably had four kilos of stuff. And why did you decide to go from Asia to London? Um, well, it was, 
it when I started looking things up, it it had never been done before. So that I thought that was cool. Um, then there was all obviously I'm restra- I was restrained by budget. Didn't have any money really. Um, I actually went and did a medical trial where they give you a load of drugs to test to pay for this. So I had like no cash. So that was a factor. Um, and then like the seasons were a factor and the what is actually possible when you're going by yourself was a factor. Um, so like Europe was a good destination because I know it well. Um, it's pretty safe. There's not any like extreme weather conditions or climates or mm. parts of land where there's it's populated it's so densely populated that like i found at least something like even if it was just a petrol station i found something that i could buy food from every day mm. all of these things were quite important there's no like lions trying to kill me which yeah is quite nice um, <laughs> um so yeah that's something to worry about for your next adventure yeah yeah uh so that's kind of like what all led into to deciding that i was going to do that one and there's something that always stumps me, right? Yeah. With people. I don't know what it is. Why do you think people have this desire to do stuff that is this extreme, right? Yeah. Because I have the same desire. I'm also yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. want to do something that no one's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go it there. Speaks to you, doesn't it? You know, I don't know. What, what do you think it is about people after doing a few of these challenges yourself, yeah. right? What is it about people that... They just want to push the limits and do things that no one else has done before. I, I think, you know, I, I've, I've spent a bit of time thinking about this. I think it's so natural, man. It's deeply ingrained into the psyche of being a human being. And I, and I kind of, I look down the lineage or the ancestry of, of, of all of our people, man. We're like some of the first generations ever that didn't have to go and fight the bloodiest war of our lives in, in as soon as we hit prime age, you know, like, that's you, you. I just don't think you can underestimate how deeply ingrained that is in all of us. And you know, if I was living in a different time, I'd have been rolling around with a sword on a horse, trying to slash people's necks off. But <laughs> I'm, I'm the year's twenty twenty three, so I'll run the length of Africa instead. You, it's, you can't. But you can't take away that. You know that sense of. Like I need to do like that, but like oh, the rage, the adventure, it's the yeah. rage that like needs quenching. Mm. And I just feel like it's quite a natural thing, to be honest. And I mean, what was? I'm sure you saw some interesting things along this this journey, right? Yeah. Um, from Asia to London. I mean, what was the coolest thing you saw on that trip? Uh, the coolest thing I saw. God, mate, do you know what? I have to really really think about it now. Um, I think the people were the co- the coolest things that made that trip what it was, you know, because because I, I was by myself, I was in a, a situation where I was more vulnerable, you know, and I really had to rely on the goodwill of a bunch of strangers that very often didn't understand a word I was saying. Um, and there's so many stories of people just like really just going out of their way to help me. You know, there was a, a guy I met in Turkey, I rolled up to this little tiny village about 10 p.m. I was absolutely knackered. It had been a really tough day. And uh, there was like a little, kind of like a pub, not really a pub, but it, there was people drinking in this place. And um, I walked in there, tried to like uh, explain to this guy what I was doing. And he he's like, mate, come and, I mean, we're doing this on Google Translate, but he's like, come and stay in my house. Um, you know, and he's got young kids, he's got a wife. 
but he's bringing back a random, you know, random geezer from from England uh, to his home for stay the night. He's like offering me shower, food, charge my phone, all the rest of it, you know. And I just think that it's so it's so heartwarming when stuff like that happens because it's like he has absolutely no reason to help me. He has nothing to gain from me, you know. I have nothing to give him. I can't offer him a thing, but he's just gonna do it anyway. Mm. And that's like such a beautiful part of human spirit. And, you know, I experienced that kind of thing multiple times on, on that um, adventure. And, you know, it really stuck, really stuck with me now. Mm. I, I've spoke to a few people that do, um, you know, extreme adventures. Yeah. The guy that I was telling you about earlier before the podcast, Davey Duplessis, yeah. said the same thing where when he got shot in the middle of the Amazon trying to paddle the length of the river. Yeah, that's what's so what. I mean... Um, <laughs> He, he made it, he got away from his attackers yeah. and collapsed in the middle of the forest. People eventually found him, you know, people that, nat- like, that are native to the Amazon. Yeah. And uh, they helped him. And basically he was so far away from civilization that they had to pass him from like community to community. Yeah. And he was also saying like, I have nothing to give these people. Yeah, They're yeah, using yeah. their last bits of fuel because yeah. they were like to get him to where he needed to be medication and like food and stuff and it's just like they didn't need to do any of that but they did it you know Uh, it's it's overwhelming man Mm. things like that happen i feel like when you put yourself out there yeah and do something that's out of the ordinary or extraordinary i think people are more receptive you know because if they see you out of your comfort zone it pushes them to get out of their comfort zone as well yeah matt i think there's a lot to be said for that actually to be fair yeah and i mean so now your, I mean, your next mission is yeah, tasty one, the biggest one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so this is the aim, right? This is what you sent me. So you said you want to be the first person to run the full length of Africa. Yeah, not cycle, not drive. Like I would be tired driving, bro. <laughs> I swear, I get tired driving from town to here. Like, yeah, yeah. So you're the first person to run the full length of Africa, which will be 360 marathons in 240 days. Yeah. 16 different countries that you'll be crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, 15,000 kilometers total distance. Americans figure out what the miles are. It's, a, it's <laughs> about 9,500, 10,000 miles. Jeez. And you want to raise 1 million pounds for charity. That's the goal. So where did this idea come from? Uh, this one's been in, in the locker for a while. It's, uh, I probably thought about it after, shortly after I finished the Asia's London run. You know, get the old Google Earth up start having a look at the world going, what could I run across? And um, yeah, Africa has always intrigued me. And because it's not been done by anyone, like the full length of it, makes it even more interesting to me. Um, so yeah, it for me, it was, it was more of a process of figuring out how I'm going to get the resources to be able to do this. Because you know, I ain't got money, I'm not from money. And this is an expensive mission to pull it off. So, Well, how have you been raising funds? Well, um... Because I assume it's cost you a fortune. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was chatting chatting to people about this mission, trying to figure out how I can get it done. And I, I ended up getting linked up with a mate, from, a mate of a mate who had done very well in the crypto space over the last couple of years. Um, and I said... Uh, had had us set up a meeting with him said look mate this is what i'm trying to do 
I think I'm like it would fifty. Like I need fifty grand to to get this thing going. Fifty thousand pounds. Fifty thousand pounds, which is a lot of money. It's but quite a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah, significant amount of money. But I mean, also to compare other missions like this, drop in the ocean. Um. Mm. So yeah, fifty fifty grand. Chatted to him about it. Told him about you know the reason behind why I want to do it. What what I think the impact could be. Um, what we're hoping to do with like filming a documentary and a YouTube series and all the rest of it. Uh, and he just bought in and he was like, mate, you know, it's, it sounds reckless. It's probably not like an unbelievably wise business move, but I back you. So here you go. Like, um, yeah, go and, go and do it. Um, so we, you know, we set up some, some business terms and, and that, that was, that was the the money that basically started started the mission rolling. We're, you know, we've burned for a lot of that money now, unfortunately, because things haven't gone exactly to plan how we thought they would at the start. Like these things never do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've also got uh, you know so a, a, a couple sponsors that are, that are helping us out as well, which is which is you know crucial. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen, mate. But you know, as someone that is like I am the endurance athlete, so it's so so difficult to try and switch into the mode of like, like I've I've been a huge learning journey for me over the last year of figuring figuring out like how I'm going to try and chat to sponsors, what do they want from us, mm. what can we deliver for them, how do, how am I going to communicate in that to them in a way that's going to make them see the potential of the mission? It's such a process, man. It's really difficult, but you know it's it's been a lot of learning for me over the last year about a, a lot of a lot of different things, but the business side of things is a, is a big one. Yeah, and I think it takes away from it's like what we were saying with my podcast when I travel to America. It's like yeah. you spend so much time traveling, setting things up, and at the end of the day, you're the athlete. Yeah, all you want to do is focus on being an athlete yeah, yeah, and yeah. completing the challenge, you know, but. It, it's never like that. You have to worry about all the logistics. How am I going to fund this? Yeah. You know, and it, it sometimes takes the fun out of it. So, I mean, if I could say anything, it's just now that you're here yeah. and most of the stuff is done, just yeah. get locked in. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that. I'm <laughs> sure you look like you're the locked in kind of guy. A hundred percent, mate. I think that that's also like, it's, it's, that's a good note though for anyone that like maybe has aspirations of getting into this kind of space. It's like, you've got a, that, you know, having, just being the athlete is a luxury in the situation like and and you have to jump through a fair share of hurdles to get to the point where you have the luxury of just being the mm. athlete that concentrates on being an athlete um so you know if you want it hard enough then you will fucking make it happen no matter what you know yeah 100 percent. and i mean you're not doing this one alone i'm assuming i think people are following you right i've got i've got a team um yeah i got a team with cameras and stuff who are going to be making loads of content, YouTube series, documentary at the end. Uh, you know, even the little, even the little TikToks and the Instagram reels. <laughs> what are you going to do like a uh, dance, <laughs> dance move in the middle of the desert? Hips might be a bit stiff, mate, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll try and get something together for you. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be funny. So yeah, no, we've got, got a team following in a van. So I've got a van to sleep in at night, which is, you know, Huge. Good, good. Yeah, don't have to sleep in a hammock trying to fight off lions. Every day of my life for the next. I'd time. be more worried about the mosquitoes, bro. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, mosquitoes kill more people than anything else on yeah, the, on the no, planet. We, yeah, I've heard all about the mosquitoes, mate. Um, yeah. Even in, I know they're probably not even that bad here, but even here, I'm getting bit up a little bit. Yeah, they're not that bad in Cape Town. Depends where you go, but yeah, uh, yeah. There's certain parts of Africa where it's like it's the biggest killer, you know. Yeah. And um, 
I mean, for this, I'm assuming you just did a lot of running training. Pretty much. Um, done a lot of running. I've done a, lot, a decent amount of strength training as well because, um, you know, the the body essentially is almost guaranteed to break down at some point over this next eight months. Injuries are inevitable. Over eight months, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Almost guaranteed. Um, so I've done a, as much strength training as possible to try and mitigate the the chances of like, you know, the, that body, the, the legs breaking down or like those injuries. So lots of mileage, lots of strength work. Um, and, you know, we're just, got, just going in with the, the mindset of like, this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But unless I'm dead, I'm carrying on. And so is it just like a camera crew that's going to be following you around? Or do you have family and friends here with you as well? Uh, nah, we the budget doesn't extend to that, unfortunately. Mm. So it's, it's skeleton team, mate. Um, we've literally got um, two, maybe three camera people coming. And, um, you know, they're just in the van with me. So, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an adventure. It's back to basics, you know. And have you thought of any of the challenges you might face along the way and the dangers? Mate, there's there's so many different potential challenges. I think uh, some of the obvious ones are like borders. Um, with the 16 different countries we've got to go to. There's 12 different visas we need for those 16 countries. Um, and, and getting through those borders is not going to be an easy task. Um, there's obviously the geographical challenges you know, Congo rainforest, notoriously quite dicey. Sahara <laughs> Desert, <laughs> biggest hot desert in the world. Namibian Desert, we've got Atlas Mountain Range in the north. You know, it's, it doesn't actually get easy at any point, to be honest. It's just hard all the way through. Yeah, and then like you said, you know, the mosquitoes, disease is mm. a huge one, probably one that goes under the radar, but that's probably the biggest chance of me dying is from, is from a disease that I catch or a mosquito or something mm. like that. Um, there's obviously... The, the big apex predators lurking out there. So something interesting about that is the guy, Davey Duplessis, that I spoke to, I'm pretty sure it was him that told me, he, I think he cycled around Africa as mm -hmm. well, right? Yeah. Um, he cycled around it. And he, I think one of the things he said to me was he saw a lot less wildlife than he thought he would. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. saw almost that doesn't surprise me. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been decimated so much and, mm. you know, the wildlife gets pushed into reserves. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so that was something that really surprised me because I thought he would have seen a lot more than, yeah. than he said he did. So I think you'll be okay with the Lions yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon we will, but it's fun to talk about them, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is the chance. Yeah, exactly. There is the chance. Um, what happens if you ran into a lion? You take it down. Just <sighs> run. <Mate. laughs> <laughs> mate, it depends what part of me you want to answer that question. The ego side of me goes, look, boys, no problem. Left hook, bang, bang, bang. Get it in a rear naked choke. Off we go. <laughs> to sleep, night, night. I'm running again. Yeah. Um, the, the the more sensible version of me goes, yeah, Russ, we're pretty fucked here, lad. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're pretty fucked here. Yeah. Pretty fucked by um, the way you cut it up. So you're doing 360 marathons in 240 days. Yep. Say it's day 150. Yeah. You're in your car. Yeah. You're sleeping. Yeah. Your legs are burning. Yeah, yeah. You do not want to move. Yeah. But now you have to get up and run one and a half marathons, basically. Yeah. What are you going to do? Mate, I mean, what can you do in that situation? The trouble is, right, is the, the, mi the mindset for me will be my feelings do not matter. And in any other walk of life, it's, it's, it's quite a dangerous mindset to walk around with. But 
um, you know, if I cave to my feelings in that situation, then the job doesn't get done, essentially. So all of those negative feelings, all of those like, I'm sad, my legs hurt, I really don't want to do it, you know, it is just a case in this scenario of being like, shut the fuck up, get on with it, mate, mm. you know? Um, and it's it's that kind of ruthless energy that separates winning at the top level and not, unfortunately. Um, it's brutal. It's a fucking brutal game. But I'm here to win. I'm not here to talk about my feelings. You know? Yeah. That's what the mindset will be. Mm. It's something that my, my friend always says to me because I've just started gymming. Yeah. And I'm super weak, right? Yeah, yeah. And he always says to me, he says, you're capable of so much more than you actually think you are. Yeah. You know, when you think you're done, you've always got more, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's what separates an athlete from an, a super endurance athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the fact that they can just unlock that side of them that goes, I can do more and I will do more. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between like the level of fucked where you just don't want to carry on and the level of fucked where like you're like physically incapable of moving. You know, and it's just how far along the the line do you want to get? Mm. And uh, you know, when your why is strong enough, and when I've when you've sacrificed as much as I've sacrificed to get here, the 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 thought of giving up, you know, is inconceivable to me. And genuinely, if my lungs are still working and my legs are still, it's still possible for my legs to move forward in any capacity, then I will be going on. Mm. Um, you know, death is either run Africa or die trying, pretty much. Did you ever see the documentary 14 Peaks? I did, yeah. With yeah. Nims Dai? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I love the what he said um, when I think they were climbing the mountain K2. Yeah. And everyone wanted to turn back. And he was like, he was giving them more like a motivational speech. He was yeah. like, when you think you're fucked, you're only actually 40% fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that was like the best line in that whole, the whole, yeah, whole yeah. documentary. Um, but I mean, the, the point of this, right, is to raise a million pounds for charity. Yes. How are you planning on getting the word out there? I mean, I did see there was some big articles done already yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, were those, like, did you have to get in contact with those agencies to do the articles or did they contact uh, you? No, they actually... Uh, Almost all of them got in contact with me, to be fair. I'm not very good at, at reaching out to people. I reach out to you, but I don't really reach out to people. Mm. So I'm a bit of an introvert recluse most of the time, to be honest. Um, so yeah, mate, I mean, the, the, the game plan for that really is um, we're going to make the best content YouTube has ever seen. And we're going to put it out there and hopefully um, we're going to, we're going to try and engage as many people through that as well. Cause you know, I believe this is going to be a, a great story. You know, uh, you know, the truth of truth is I have no idea what's going to happen in the next eight months. I know it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And that's all I can know. And, um, if we can tell that story in as best a way as possible, then hopefully we can bring as many people on the journey as we can. And, you know, um, I'm, I make a difference for, mm. in the world. And are you going to try and raise money throughout the journey or are you going to be producing content as you go or at yes. the end of it, you're going to produ produce all the content? So we're going to be producing content on the go mm. and then um, making the documentary at the end. 
Yeah, I think that's a lot better because you want people to follow your journey, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make yeah. it? Is he going to get eaten by a fucking jackal today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Cape Cobra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have had an encounter with a Cape Cobra as well. Where, since you've been here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're scary, eh? Yeah. I think that thing will take you down. Yeah. Mm. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I've caught a few. Freddy. I, yeah. Um, I always try to... That, the snakes always end up in the roads around here. Yeah. So I always try to get them off the road. She's the other day I was driving home and there was a snake like in the bus lane. Yeah. And I, dude, I slammed my car like onto the onto the side of the road, but it was like weird. So it was like, it was like dodgy. Yeah. And I like swerved in front of other cars, tried to run and so it got ran over before I got oh, there. Fuck. Yeah. I love the snakes around here. But um, so, I mean, this is a massive challenge, right? Yeah. What do you want to achieve by doing this? Obviously, you want to raise some money. What do you mm -hmm. think this will do for you as well? Because I, I know you're very focused on the goal, which is to, to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of it, what do you want to feel? God, that's a good question, mate, you know? Um, what do I want to feel at the end? I don't know if I want to set too much of an expectation on what I want to feel. Mm. Um, because it's just going to be it's going to be such a crazy journey that I don't really know how I'm going to feel. Uh, I don't and, I, and you know as long I'm, I'm just so fixated on getting it done. Yeah. That you'll feel what you feel when you feel, when you get yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like in terms of what it can do for me personally, like obviously I'm not blind to 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 that, and it, I'd be lying if I said there was no motivating factors in that. It's not like I'm. A fucking saint that's only motivated to do yeah, selfless things. Um, yeah, there, there's mate. There's it's, it's a multi, I think people that say that say they are, are just lying. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but you know, I I just I hope that um, you know at the end maybe it would be great if I, if I can have a a bit more freedom to do more do more adventures, take people on more adventures, um, and ultimately use this for a for a positive force mm. um with with the charities that i work with you know um i'm i'm i am i can't sit here and preach and say that i know all the answers but hopefully this can move me in a direction where i get a f closer to that mm. truth you know and i um, feel like this is such a big adventure that you're about to go on that i think the, the ones you've done already are insane but i feel like this would really put you on the map uh, and well, maybe, um yeah. then give you the freedom to not have to worry about all of the logistics, maybe in the yeah, future, and be nice. maybe build that'd a team nice. around yeah. you and uh, just keep, you know, just keep doing these amazing adventures. That would be good. You know, I've got, I've got so many big ideas in the bank that, you know, if we can get in a position where there, where there's a bit more resources behind us, then be I believe I can pull a lot off. And where can people follow the journey? So... Uh, I'm hardest geezer on all social medias, so yeah, <laughs> just hardest geezer. That's like the most British, British thing, thing I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. By design as well. Yeah, I'm the softest butt. <laughs> the softest <laughs> butt. What is butt? Is that South African? Butt is like brother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're the hardest geezer. I'm the softest butt. Yeah. The softest brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if I if I end up flopping this journey halfway through, then I'll have to change my name to the softest geezer. Yeah, softest geezer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, everyone go check them out. And uh, I can't wait to follow this journey. Maybe throughout we can like... Have a link up somewhere. We yeah. can like call in, get you to call yeah, in or something, yeah, give yeah. us an update on how it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, sounds wicked. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a really pleasure. appreciate it.
And thank you all for watching this episode of the Wide Awake Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you all very soon. Cheers.